On this episode of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, Todd Elmore tells us what quality he believes sets great leaders apart. The one indispensable quality for leadership is discernment. You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast, insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Welcome to Episode 3 of the High Performance Leadership Podcast. I'm Randy Lane. Today we're talking with Ted Elmore. He's the Associate Director of Pastor Church Relations and Prayer Strategist with the Southern Baptists of Texas Convention. Ted has served as pastor, interim pastor in seven churches, evangelist in over 14 countries, and state convention leader for 13 years. He talks about leadership in the church and his former career in law enforcement. Stay tuned. Ted, I really appreciate you coming in the studio today. It's awesome the opportunity to have you here with us, so I appreciate you coming in. Um, why don't we start like we do on every one of these, is tell us just a little bit about your background, where you come from, all that good stuff kind of leads us up to where we are today. Well, Chip, it's a thrill to be with you today and um, to be with your audience. My goodness, you know how many out there benefit from these podcasts that you do. So thank you for all you do. You're welcome. I am... Um, uh, oh, an older guy, you know, I'm a boomer, and uh, my background has been a little bit diverse. I graduated uh, from Southwest Baptist University. I, I've been in the Baptist fold most of my life, but prior to that, I was in law enforcement, and uh, out of that, then entered the pastoral ministry, and so I have worked in denominational work for 20 years. I I have been a global evangelist and basically going to the marketplaces of the world on five continents and really, really learned from the diversity that's on this globe. It it has been fantastic. And so for the last 20-plus years, I've I've worked with volunteers. I've worked with churches and— of course, inside an organization that's a nonprofit organization. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, you've been all over the place. I've been a few places. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's wonderful. Well, what drove you to decide to pick ministry as your profession? Well, I believe it was the call of God, and I believe God has a purpose for every person's life. In those younger years, when my wife Cheryl and I were first married and uh, we began seeking, and we wanted to do things as best as we could, right? So we navigated this thing about where we would attend church and what we would do with our children. And uh, both of us uh, had an encounter with Christ that really changed our lives. And so out of that, I felt like that my calling was in ministry. And I did not know how that would flesh itself out. I didn't know where it would take me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just knew that I needed to learn because I grew up in a very rural area with the salt of the earth people. But uh, we, we were not used to theological education, things of that nature. And so our trek has been good. It's been a lot of fun. There's been some hits along the way, like everybody else has, yeah. but it's it's been good, and it is good. Wonderful. Well, you know, on every podcast that we do, we ask two questions. The first one being, can you tell us a story or an example of a great leader, a great leader that you've either encountered, followed, been a part of their team, whatever it might be, and and tell us what what that leader did to inspire you and and turn you into, you know, influence the way your team worked. 
Well, actually, uh, there's been several. I've been very fortunate, but I think the one that has meant the most in my life uh, is a former pastor. When I came to seminary, I went to a church, and I, because of the situations, I'd rather not give a name. Everybody mm-hmm. that knows me will know who it is yeah. <laughs> uh, if anybody's listening. But I, I went to a particular church to hear a guy speak, wound up as an intern on his staff. And later on, he became our pastor, and I did research for him. And through the years, even though he was very much a part of the ministry that I had as a board member on our nonprofit corporation, I watched him lead as a pastor. He later left to go to one of our denominational agencies and led that organization as a very effective CEO. And in fact, that organization grew phenomenally under his leadership. But I have watched him handle difficulties. I watched him handle difficult people, and and I've watched him as a man at home, as a father, and and there's been no change. He is the same person every time you see him, and he's eighty years old now, and still is. He is my model of leadership. Wonderful. Well, let's do the flip side then. Have you ever experienced or been a part of a team where the leadership was just? Completely ineffective. Oh, my soul, yes. Uh, one one stands out above all else. Uh, every time we would have quarterly staff meetings, the vision would change. No one knew under that man's leadership in that organization, by the time I left it and others left as well, people were set against each other. There was the rise for Uh, climbing the ladder, as I call it, on the part of certain ones. There was such uncertainty and lack of vision in that organization that everything became personal Mm. and personality-based. And uh, that individual is, in my opinion, the absolute worst leader I have ever seen in my life. Hmm. He literally almost destroyed that organization. Wow. Yeah, that's not good. That's no, not good no, at all. no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> well, when you when you think of great leadership, and and obviously you've been an effective leader, and you've worked with effective leaders, do you see common characteristics of of effective leaders? Yeah, I really do. Um, I, I heard several years ago a, a man make a statement, and I've studied it, and I've followed it, and it's true. And he said the one indispensable quality for leadership is discernment. And I thought about that, and I thought, now, I've read a lot of books on leadership, and I work in that. There's got to be more things to it. But what he did and what I learned about him, he was talking about that innate quality of leadership. So much of everything else I've learned can be taught. Mm-hmm. And, and some have said leaders are born. Well, in, in a way, with that innate quality of discernment, I suppose so. But leaders are made, not born. Mm-hmm. And uh, here is something that every leader has to have. And uh, I have found the wisdom of that statement. Yeah. So if someone out there is listening that doesn't know how to define the word discernment, what? how, how would you define it for the, for the person that doesn't know that word? Discernment is that characteristic of wisdom that enables one to see into the future. And I'm not talking about this seer kind of thing, crystal ball, but you're able to know the times Hmm. and you're able to respond to the circumstances and the times with wisdom. 
Now, one of the things that's helped me in that more than anything, uh, I daily read a portion of an ancient Hebrew text. Uh, it's it's the book of Proverbs in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And Proverbs contrasts the wise and the fool, all 31 chapters. Mm. It is incredible how much is built into that book that's leadership-oriented. Mm. And so I think discernment is understanding the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Knowledge is fact-based. Wisdom is the ability to take those facts and to put them into application, understanding the times, and reacting appropriately. We would say it sometimes, stay ahead of the curve. Yeah. So is it similar to instinct or intuition or spidey those, sense? Yeah, spidey sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those are, you know, the, the ancients, my parents and, and that generation referred to it as common sense. Yeah, we common sense isn't that common anymore. No, it it isn't. It it really isn't. But uh, I I think that's all a part of it. If a leader has that innately, Mm -hmm. uh, they can learn other things. It's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is, but I know what you're talking about. You sometimes have these leaders that just seem to know when something's going to go south, and they know how to pull the team out or how to change course enough that it can right the ship. That seems to be. Yeah, it's it's more described than it is defined. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it really is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, discernment. And it, and it, I agree with you 100%. I really do. Because when I look at the common characteristics of the most successful leaders I know, a lot of them do have that characteristic. I mean, you don't notice it right away, but now that you say it, it's becoming more obvious to me when I look at those those leaders. Yeah, there, there's an example in, in uh, the Hebrew Scriptures uh, of the sons of Issachar. And the description of them is men who knew the times and knew what to do. Mm. Uh, That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. So it's the intersection of instinct and timing. And I've also noticed, you know, the people that can kind of size up their team and they know this person will be best for this and this person best for that. And it's not something they have to study, but they can just figure out how those people work. Exactly. Uh, the, uh, the observance of human, you know, we all have different personalities. The disc profile gives us four different combinations and et cetera. And, and that's just true to who we are as human beings. And it's not right nor wrong, but each of those different groups respond to different stimuli. And the wise, discerning leader understands that about his team, and he gives them assignments or brings them in appropriately to maximize their contribution to the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what other characteristics? Discernment is definitely one of them. Are there other common characteristics that you see? Well, I, I think uh, one of the greatest characteristics other than discernment uh, for a leader and for a team is the ability to work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've got to have people who rally around a common cause. Now, it's the leader's responsibility to cast the vision. Uh, everyone ought to know what the vision is. Uh, whatever you're doing, if you're making widgets, if you're drinking coffee, you know, it's really good to know where the coffee machine is. It's good to know certain things about that and bring everybody on board with that because the leader selects his team. He builds a team around him of people with varying gifts, varying 
personalities, but then he enlists them into a common cause. Mm-hmm. So creating that vision and knowing exactly what that causes, right. then rallying the troops around that cause and saying focused on that vision is a... It is, and, and, and that really is your mission. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of what organization you're in, you should have a definable mission. I mean, it it ought to be that every volunteer, every employee, you can wake them up at three o'clock in the morning and say, why are we here? Mm-hmm. And they can tell you why. Uh, I mean, that's part of that becomes part of them. And as they move forward, everything they do, I look at that as a river flowing and everything into it is a tributary. Now, if you get stuff going on, even with volunteers, that doesn't flow into that mainstream, it's like the floods we have in Texas. You know, we'll have all these floods, water will go everywhere, then it will recede, the rivers flow, the lakes flow, but out on the side, there's these empty pools of water that do nothing. They stagnate and breed mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. And that's the death of your organization. When you have those pools that are stagnant and just breeding difficulty and discord, you've got to have everybody in the flow. And so uh, the mission is very important, building that team around that mission statement. That's interesting. So the the river is everybody that's on the team that's going in the right direction and flowing together. And these right. the water, these puddles on the outside, are, would those be, in the analogy, would those be disengaged employees, uh, people that, that are not? focused on the mission they're just out there collecting mosquitoes and eventually they they very well could be they're they're disengaged Mm -hmm. uh they may have their own agenda uh they may be in the organization and uh while they like volunteering and like titles uh they really don't like being a part of a team yeah and you you have to value your team members. You have to value your role in it. And you have to feel some significance in what you're doing. And that's a leader's responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, to, to value that person and give them the sense of value. Because you want to bring value to your customer. Now, you say, well, how does that relate to volunteers? Well, if you're in a church, for example, and everybody that does anything other than paid staff is a volunteer. Yeah, uh, ushers, etc. They're all volunteers, but they've got to feel some sense of significance and accomplishment in what they're doing. And the leader brings that. And I believe that's part of the mission, part of keeping people mission focused. Yeah. So and I absolutely agree with you 100 percent. The question I would have for you is, you know, over your vast experience, do you find it's different working with volunteers and trying to get them focused versus when you're paying somebody and they're on staff, you know, they, they at least have to pretend to be focused. Well, they do. Because they're getting paid. Hey, right? yeah, yeah, they really do. I mean, you sign their paycheck and they're yeah. going to, yes, sir. Yes, Chip, we'll do whatever you want us to do. How, sure, we'll clean your house. Sure, we'll do this. Not a problem. And then uh, on to uh, whenever pay is, they expect that. So, yes, if you're paying someone, you usually have a job description and you're setting that out. I think even with volunteers, uh, a leader has to realize a volunteer has only so much time to give Mm -hmm. they have another life and that life is about raising children it's about making money it's their job it's whatever they do some of them travel some of them work different shifts Uh, some of them uh, have other responsibilities and so you've got a small window 
of time that they'll give you, maybe two to three hours a week during those working years. Now, when they retire, you may get a few more years. So what one has to do is to place that volunteer, ask that volunteer to serve, give them somewhat of a responsibility, because there has to be accountability even with volunteers, and train them, equip them for what they're doing. Whatever the role is in the organization, the volunteer needs to be equipped, brought in, and see the significance of what they're doing, and not asked to do beyond the time space that they can give. Yeah. I think if somebody's asked, or someone comes in and they're volunteering in the first place, they've got to have a passion for it to give of their free time, because it's one thing, I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't seem like there's very much of. So to give yourself to something, to, to then, as a leader, key into that passion and fulfill them that way. Well, it is. It's a tremendous thing for someone to say, I'm going to give you X amount of time during the week. That means that they do believe in the cause. Mm-hmm. Now, you can bring them deeper into the mission and let them understand and see more. And you can bring value to them in many, many ways. But time in today's world is more precious than money sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and and the work that I do with Charity Champions, we see that all the time. We're trying to get volunteers together to come and go through leadership development training. And, and, um, you know, it's tougher and tougher and tougher to get people, uh, you know, to give up their precious uh, commodity, which is free time. To volunteer to do things, I, I'll tell you one quick story. I had years ago. I sat uh, when I was first in leadership. I sat as a, a chairman, I guess, uh, of a of a committee, and we had volunteers. And I remember my first meeting that I called, and I had a person show up twenty minutes late. And I remember thinking to myself, how disrespectful. I mean, I call this meeting. I have these people here. Everybody else made it on time. And this one person shows up 20 minutes late. They're all kind of cheerful when they show up and interrupt the middle of the meeting. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I can't believe this is happening. Well, I'm a, I'm a young uh, leader at this point, And I shared this with a, a senior leader, someone else that was running another committee. And then he shed some light on it to me. He said, Chip, I understand when you call a meeting and you ask people to come When they show up late, it it throws off your flow and your mojo with your meeting and everything else, and I can see how it would bother you. But understand, you don't know what that person possibly had to do to get there to that meeting. They possibly had to have rearranged their entire schedule, drop off kids, go do this, go do that, and the fact that they actually showed up, even if it is 20 minutes late, the fact that they actually showed up and, and volunteered their time, you should be grateful that they showed up, not irritated that that they were 20 minutes late. And that was a real paradigm shift that I had to go through, you know, at a very young age to kind of figure out, you know, if I flip the roll around, I can see how that would be applicable. Well, exactly. This best leader that we talked about earlier that that I had and my mentor, uh, he taught me, he said, my father taught me that everybody's having a good time, hard time, so be nice. Yeah. You never know what that other person's going through. And one of the things uh, in just recently, I trained a team of volunteers in a particular organization, and the leader of that organization had just left because everybody turned basically against him. Here was the camel or the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, he stood before 
a group of volunteers at a set meeting time, one person failed to show, and he spent the time of the meeting chewing out the people who showed. Because the one person because didn't the show. one person didn't show, and and lecturing them about commitment, and, and I just thought, you know, now that's what that ancient literature would call a fool. That's just absolutely ridiculous to do something like that. And so everybody goes away downhearted, disappointed. You know, a leader can enhance the volunteer's willingness to serve. If you remember your volunteer's birthdays and send them a note, uh, occasionally let them know you did something good. Here is what happened to the mission. Your contribution to the mission resulted in this. Encouragement is never wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We talked to a guy uh, for another interview, and he's in the um, arts and nonprofit space. And that's exactly how he says that he gets people on his side. It's not an intentional. It's more about who he is. But it's about remembering uh, the small details of their life and making them feel important. Exactly. And filling them with the passion that drove them to volunteer in the first place. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm one that had to learn that. That's not natural with me. I'm, I'm naturally a, a more private person. I'm analytical in my thinking. And, and so I may be thinking about something and someone looks at my face and says, are you upset? No, no. I, why, why would you think I'm upset? So I have to remember to smile. I have to remember to write thank you notes and do things like that. But you can train yourself to do it. These wonderful things called smartphones help remind us of so much. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, in the older days, they said a short pencil beats a long memory. And I, I think a good smartphone is an asset. I like absolutely. that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I'm sure over, again, your career, you've worked with a lot of effective leaders, and there's common characteristics all the way through. I think the first one you brought up, discernment, is actually a, a really good one. We haven't had anybody on the podcast yet that's no, really talked about it's that. very insightful. Yeah. Yeah. Is there other, uh, other common characteristics? Well, I, I think the leader often leads by example. I, we have to remember, especially in nonprofit work, we are servant leaders. Uh, we're, we're not owners of a corporation, and, and we model what we ask others to do. We've got to be willing to do the same thing. Now, obviously, we can't do that same job as such, but no task is too menial. And at times, the servant leader will be doing those things. But the people have to see that you're engaged. You're not above what they're doing. Uh, we talked about bringing value and appreciating all of the volunteers. But I, I would also add integrity. Hmm. You know, a leader's integrity in enlisting and keeping volunteers is absolutely paramount. You, you must do what you say you will do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've worked with lots of nonprofit leaders, mm -hmm. and you know there obviously are common characteristics. I know we could do the flip side of what we just talked about, but do you see on a regular basis when you're when you're working with nonprofits, whether it's ministry driven or outside of it, where the the leader is self deceiving themselves, like they they see themselves one way but maybe their congregation or their members see them completely different. And they there's such a disconnect between what they think is being done and what the reality is being done. Well, there really is. And in my world, 
And it may not be true of every nonprofit, but in my world, the people vote with their feet and their pocketbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you see folks walking away to other places or the giving begins to decrease and there's not economic reasons, obviously, in an economic downturn. Uh, one city I know of, a factory that employed several thousand, just moved out. Well, that has nothing to do with the nonprofit leadership. That's a corporate decision that affects it. But all things being equal, when folk begin to walk away and the donations begin to decline, you really need to take a look at yourself. Mm-hmm. Because in my world, that's how people vote. Yeah. Well, I think it, it translates to the corporate world, too. I mean, people stop buying your product. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's not because your product's bad, but maybe the customer service is bad. Maybe the vision of the company's bad. Exactly. Maybe you're not exactly. innovating fast enough or quick enough. And, and so it, I think it's all parallel. Well, it is. And we always have to remember that uh, we live today. And very often we'll crucify our lives between two thieves yesterday and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand we live today and we're in today's world and we respond to people in today's world, whether we like it or not, whether we long for the uh, mythical good old days that really weren't all that good because, you know, we remember the very bad and the very good. And so that helps keep a leader and keep an organization moving forward. Yep. Good. Well, one of the things that we always ask on on our podcast is, are you reading anything interesting right now? Are you listening to any other radio shows or podcasts or reading any books? Anything that you think, or or maybe something you've read over your years that is really, really good stuff that you would recommend to, to other people? Well, I, th- I think, and I don't recall the author offhand, but it, it was a, a Harvard business book, uh, Leading Change. Mm. Uh, that, that's a must. I, I, I think that folk need to read that. Uh, I have recently read uh, my mentor's book, uh, Don't Quit Before You Finish, uh, which is an excellent leadership book for corporate, nonprofit, whatever. It's just those things we've talked about today sure. in working with volunteers. And uh, Uh, Most of what I've been taken up with lately is developing some training for interim pastors. And so I've been reading materials on grief because when a pastor leaves a church, there's always a type grief. There's somebody, I don't care how good or how bad that pastor was, there's somebody in that congregation and usually several somebodies that he meant a lot to. Mm. And they're grieving. Yeah. So uh, how, how do you minister to them? How do you lead them through that process? And those are the things that have consumed my time lately. Interesting. Yeah. I had another question. When you said that you worked in law enforcement previous to this, I can't think of two different sectors to work in as far as leadership styles in my head. Maybe I'm wrong, but can you contrast the leadership of law enforcement, the leadership of churches and nonprofits? Well, I I would do that in in one way. Uh, I felt like law enforcement, I was always getting them under law. Uh, Someone violated the law, we go after them. We're there. We get them under law. But as a Christian minister, I have the opportunity to try to get people under the grace of the Lord Jesus before things happen and and while they are. So that's one contrast. But uh, another, and, and to get to the heart of your question, Uh, In law enforcement, you are dealing with protecting the community. You're responding to different kinds of calls, and you're keeping the peace. The most difficult call 
I ever had was family trouble calls. I averaged over one a day. And every officer will tell you, you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. If someone calls the police, you know, somebody's drunk, somebody's abusing, and they call. You go in, and you start to arrest someone, and the other spouse may turn on you or the children or whatever. It's a very difficult call. In Christian ministry, if that couple will come in prior to getting to that point, then we have processes and counseling available that can help preventatively, that can help them get their life back on track. And so it's the difference, literally, between law and grace. Hmm. And then I had, I had one more um, little story that maybe would apply to what you're talking about, how you deal with volunteers. I was in the Navy, and I led the praise and worship team on the Kitty Hawk uh, aircraft carrier, and we had band practice, and there was this guy that was really, he thought it was God's call for him to play guitar in our band, but he was terrible. He was really, really bad, <laughs> and uh, he played electric guitar, and he would just jam out, and I was just at my wits end with him, and I was like, I can't deal with this, so I, so I go to the chaplain, because the chaplain's the leader of the whole service, and I say, chaplain, this guy, I, I just can't take it. I mean, he's he's passionate about playing guitar and being in this praise band he he makes every rehearsal but he's just not good not i mean it makes us all sound bad and he's he talks to me about you know he's a volunteer and he's decided to give his free time and that's the most precious thing he can give you so you know just try and work with him and then as he was leaving he said i'll talk to the sound guy and he'll have him turned down (laughs) (laughs) well that uh, that that is one way and uh, i agree i agree with your chaplain that Uh, He is a volunteer. That's free time he wants to give, and he wants to be a part of it. But just because someone wants to volunteer doesn't really mean they have the gifting to do what they want to volunteer for. Mm. And so I think it is appropriate to help someone see that maybe there's another place for you to serve right here is not the most effective place. And Chip, that's one of those times that folks just need to look in the mirror and realize, I can't do that. I've always wanted to play a guitar. <laughs> I can strum. <laughs> I don't know a note of music, and I can't carry a tune, so I have a hard time even strumming in time. But a few years ago, I, I saw my favorite brand of guitar. I, I love the Martin guitar. I think they sound so good. I have so a Martin good. as well. All yep, right. I, All I, right. Martin. I, saw, I saw this HD28 Vintage Series. Ooh. And I love the sound of it so much. And the thought went through me, you'll never play this like it ought to be played. (laughs) But you've got grandsons who will. And so a couple of years ago, uh, my grandson in South Texas is coming along, and I gave him that Martin. And I have another grandson that's very musical, but his father has given him several guitars. And so I gave the one to the grandson that didn't have that situation and now he's playing it better than i ever thought i could there you go you know 16 years old you know if people only bought martins that could play them like they should be played i think eric clapton would be the only person he would he probably would (laughs) i I mean when i remember watching johnny cash once on the show with willie nelson and uh, he hand willie his guitar and said you you want to play this and and willie said well yeah i'll do this and so you know willie played and sang and Hand it back to Johnny Cash, and Johnny said, that's the first time that guitar's ever been played. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I uh, I know a couple of your grandkids, and they are very talented. And yes. and as they get older, and they they if they stick with it and they stay focused, they they both have the talent. There's no question. It's the commitment to sticking with it and learning what they need to do. So it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ted, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you being on today's podcast. It it uh, was enlightening. Uh, the discernment thing is what I'm going to take away from this for sure, because that's the first time we've heard it, and it, it makes a lot of sense to me. And that that I can see how that's very applicable um, in every sense of leadership, whether it's for-profit or non-profit. And uh, again, thank you very much for coming in today. We appreciate it very much. And Chip, thank you. Randy, thank you. I've enjoyed this time, and I thank you for having me. Okay. All right, Chip, so can you kind of explain to me what a high-performance workshop is? Absolutely. What Most of the time, organizations are struggling uh, on one thing or another, and they really don't know how to put it all together. And so we have this two-day intensive workshop we call it a high-performance workshop that really has a framework, and that framework helps organizations understand what are the principles of highly successful organizations. What do they look like? What, and, and then we move into assessing. Step two is assessing the organization. We have seven critical steps that we look at. We help our uh, participants that are in the workshop really kind of create a benchmark of where their current organization is, is. We move to step three, which is clarifying their strategy and helping them think through their strategy and is it a good strategy? Can they are, can they change it? And how do we clarify it? And then step four is we then start helping empower them on leadership and help them understand what does a high-performance leader do on a daily basis. And then step five is those leaders then build very high-performing teams of individuals. And, and we're really focused on getting the leaders and the teams to execute on the strategy. And so, so this two-day workshop takes them through the entire process. It does. And so when you leave the workshop, you'll leave with a, a framework, a, a, a plan that you can go back into your organization and really take this and understand what are our principles, assess our organization on seven different critical areas, create that baseline, clarify our strategy, and then start changing behavior of our leaders and our teams to execute on that on that clear strategy that we have in place now. And who's this Who's this workshop for? Anybody in a leadership role. So it doesn't matter if you're for-profit, non-profit. It doesn't matter if you are responsible for getting results in your organization, especially if you're responsible for getting results through other people. This workshop is designed for those individuals. And so if I'm looking for more information, where can I go? Go to 360solutions.com. Uh, and in there, you'll see everything that you need to know about the upcoming workshops all around the U.S., and we have some actually in other parts of the world as well. But there's probably one coming close to you uh, sometime this year, uh, and the information's on there. The cost is extremely reasonable, and the reason why we keep the cost low is because we want people to understand the framework. Once you understand the framework, then you know we can help you along the way of implementing those things. So if you've enjoyed this podcast and all of our leadership tips and tricks that we've been giving you, this is kind of the next step. Yeah, the next step is is to say, you know what, this is great information. I really want to see how I can uh, apply some of these principles to help my organization grow. This two-day workshop is, is kind of the starting point. It's kind of the immersion into the overall concept of high performance uh, as you as a leader and then really as how the organization and leaders work together to, to build a high-performance company. 
And so we'll also be talking about those upcoming events on this podcast. So stay tuned here as well. That's 360solutions.com again for more information. And of course, we're also on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, all those places. So we'll make sure and have plenty of information available there. Stay tuned. The High Performance Leadership Podcast is also sponsored by Principles of High Performance Leadership, the book by Chip Wilson. The first 100 people to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast get the book for free. That's right, free book. Go to 360solutions.com for more information. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Make sure and subscribe via iTunes, give us a rating, and leave us a review. Tell everyone you know to do the same thing. The more subscriptions, ratings, and reviews we get, the higher iTunes rates us. Visit our website at hpleadershippodcast.com, tweet at us at twitter.com slash 360 underscore solutions, and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 360 solutions LLC. That's all together, no spaces. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. Thank you.